listening to the Jay's Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Shapiro, and this is my 2017 Year in Review Christmas show. That's right, a retrospective look back at the year that was for the Toronto Blue Jays and what's in store for them in 2018. And of course, helping me reflect back on the year that was are 30 of my previous guests drawn from over 55 shows that were made available throughout the baseball season. I've chosen them because their opinions on this roster will hopefully provide you with a better perspective and understanding of exactly where this baseball team has been, where it is today, and of course where it might end up tomorrow. The Jays Journal podcast is heard all over Canada, in 47 different U.S. states, and in 44 countries across the globe. What started as a little podcast hobby about the Toronto Blue Jays has steadily grown into 55 original episodes of what I like to call biting commentary, dynamic roundtable discussions, and usually compelling media interviews that have been heard all through the blog talk, radio, and fan-sided networks to tens of thousands of listeners, delivered straight to their fingertips through the wonders of the internet. And this is thanks, in large part, to the creative and brilliant literary work of our writers and contributors at the Jays Journal, www.jaysjournal.com. You know, I really knew I was up to something when I started noticing audiences in places like Turkey and South Africa, Japan, Lithuania, Russia, and places like the Ivory Coast. And I think that's when you realize how passionate fans truly are about baseball, and in particular, their Toronto Blue Jays. So I welcome you to enjoy this Year in Review podcast episode in your own way, either by listening from start to finish or jumping ahead to your favorite guest. And I hope that you find this experience worthwhile and illuminating. I mean, my plan was to be as thorough as possible, taking a close look at the people who represent the brand and the hopes of millions of baseball fans across Canada. The leaders, the pitchers, the hitters, and the intangibles that all come with representing an entire sports nation. Let's get started by looking at the executive management and leadership group behind this baseball club, starting with the top dog, President Mark Shapiro. Now, it hasn't exactly been an easy time for the former two-time Major League Baseball Executive of the Year during this offseason, and many fans have made their frustrations abundantly clear. So I decided to ask one of my previous guests, who happens to be a host at the Fan 590 and directly involved with baseball himself as an official scorer, Roger Lajoie, what he felt about the president of the Toronto Blue Jays. Mark Shapiro has done a great job as a baseball executive, or he wouldn't be leading the Toronto Blue Jays at this stage. There's no question, did a great job building the Cleveland Indians and building him into a team that was a contender and did a great job in a variety of ways. Now he's in a different market with a different payroll, a different pay structure, and a completely different situation, which means he doesn't have to do the same thing twice. He doesn't have to build prospects and hope it works out that way. He can build a farm club and prospects and still reach into the till and spend a little bit of money. It's the same thing as somebody who's been working for a small outfit for a lot of years, now all of a sudden gets to work with the big boys. The general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays and the general manager of the Boston Red Sox don't operate the same way, nor should they. I'm certainly hopeful that Mark decides he's going to operate like he's in a big market instead of a small market. I wish him well. There's a lot of pressure on, but he doesn't have to be cheap here. He can spend some money, and if he does, along with his ability to identify prospects as we've seen in the past he could turn out to be a big time gm if not 
he might want to go back to a small market team. Next, I take a look at Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, an individual who is still living under a long shadow cast by the legacy that was Alex Anthopoulos. And I couldn't think of anyone better to ask than a market practitioner and research analyst from the Levy Economics Institute, Marshall Auerbach, for his opinion on general manager Ross Atkins. Well, I like Ross. Um, I uh, am somewhat frustrated at times because he has this annoying tendency uh, to say a lot of things without saying anything at all. Uh, and whether that's intentional or not, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I almost prefer the Lou Lamorello approach, um, uh, say something after it's happened, uh, don't uh, over-promise and under-deliver, uh, under-promise and over-deliver. Uh, but uh, to, in, in, to my view, it's, 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 been, it's premature to judge him. Um, I think this is a year that you'll actually get uh, some sense of what kind of a general manager he, he can be. Um, I think uh, he's got some very, very good people around him in the player personnel side, particularly uh, Ben Charrington and Steve Sanders. And I think those, those people are key to helping to develop the, 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 the team. And most importantly, I'm not particularly frustrated about the fact that they haven't actually uh, made any big uh, signature moves just yet. I actually think there is merit towards um, waiting things out a little bit. I think the, the closer we get to the season, the more uh, the, the value will tend to uh, work in, 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 in Toronto's favor. But, of course, um, that implies that he and management as a whole will, will do something uh, tangible once they've got as the, as the leverage increases. Now, whether that means um, you, know, you sign Lorenzo Cana to, uh, at a more, uh, for a reasonable deal or even a J.D. Martinez, which would be wonderful, or you make a shrewd trade. Um, uh, that, it, it, it doesn't matter to me what he does so long as he actually delivers. I'm, I, I don't really mind that uh, nothing has been done uh, toward, since uh, uh, the, the end of the year. I think they do, they do have a plan in mind, but you know, talk's cheap. Now's the time to execute. The Blue Jays head into 2018 with the same manager they've had now since 2013, one that has now coached an almost combined decade worth of on-field leadership for this team. And in doing so, I decided to ask popular and celebrated blogger, writer, and personality with Sportsnet, Arden Zwelling, exactly how he felt about John Gibbons moving forward. I think John Gibbons is a really good fit for the current iteration of the Toronto Blue Jays. I think there's certain ball clubs that, you know, I think that you really want to fit your manager to your roster and to the types of players that you have. And the Blue Jays have a lot of veteran players, uh, a lot of players that, you know, would benefit from a bit of a more hands-off approach, I suppose, from from the manager. And, I, I you know, I almost hesitate to use that term because it makes it seem like John Gibbons isn't doing that much. He does an awful lot. Uh, you know, but you know, I, I do think that he is a really good fit for this uh, kind of veteran ball club uh, the, that he manages right now. And you know, you, you just have to you know think back and and think you know how many times has John Gibbons really screwed up a game, or how many times has he had a you know a situation where he said, oh, why didn't he do this or why didn't he do that? You know, more often than not, he, he makes the the sound tactical move, and and you know he, he defends his players, protects his players. Uh, that his players know where they stand with him, and I think that's uh, you know an important thing to have for the Blue Jays right now. So I think John Gibbons is a good fit with them uh, as presently constituted. 
You know, through the course of doing many different roundtables and panel discussions about the Blue Jays over 2017, the one area that everyone seemed to universally agree upon is that the team has starting pitchers capable of helping them compete for a playoff spot next year. And helping to start us off by taking a closer look at who these players are and what we can expect next year is mental game coordinator and motivational speaker Diamond Hall to give me his thoughts on what I consider to be the MVP of the team, Marcus Stroman. When I think about Marcus Stroman, first thing that comes to my mind is mental toughness. You know, we're talking about a guy who's five feet, eight inches tall, you know, pitching in the bigs. And he, I mean, he has his own brand. It's called uh, HDMH. Heart doesn't measure height. I mean, that's you got to think about how many, how many coaches, how many players, how many of his teammates, how many scouts probably told him throughout the course of his career that he was too small to be able to make it, and he completely debunked all of those, all of those opinions, all of those theories that everybody, that everybody had put in his face his whole career. To me. You know, he had two choices. He could have either um, let those opinions define who he was or keep working, keep putting his head down, keep keep working away at his craft every single day and define those opinions by what he's doing on the mound. This guy's probably one of my favorite pitchers to ever come, <laughs> come, through, uh, come through baseball let alone the Blue Jays organization. Aaron Sanchez is a player that Blue Jays fans unfortunately did not get to see very much of last year, but are clearly depending on his health and success in 2018 in order for this team to move forward. So I decided to ask popular podcaster of the Cardi show, Brent Cardi, how he felt about Aaron Sanchez and his future. I think Aaron Sanchez has got all the potential in the world. The problem is, ever since he became a Boris client, uh, things have just not been good for him. You know, last year, the juice balls may have cut his finger a few times, but there was no attempt on his part to tough it out. Uh, I wonder if his agent had anything to do with that. And, you know, going forward, he has to either show up or he has to either go away, plain and simple. Stop getting everybody's hopes up. Go out and be the 2015 Aaron Sanchez, because if he doesn't show up this year... This team's in a lot of trouble, and this guy should be traded. The sense of urgency is clearly palpable when it comes to injured starters from last year, and who better to understand that than Marco Estrada, who struggled through various parts of a season that was completely uneven and riddled with all sorts of aches and pains and bruises. So I decided to ask the critically acclaimed writer for the Globe and Mail, Vice Sports, Fightland, and Sportsnet, Sean W. Smith, his feelings on Marco Estrada moving forward in 2018. Well, Marco Estrada had one of those years where you really wanted him to come out and be a leader on this team. And I think personality-wise, he was uh, on the field. Obviously, he, he had his struggles. Uh, he, he started pretty good. Uh, and then in, in the summer months, he, he really struggled. But uh, he seems to be kind of coming back to form as of late. And uh, I really hope to see him back in, in a Blue Jays uniform next year. He is my favorite Blue Jay. I really like his personality. I find him very easy to get behind. And, and I really like his story. You know, he, he came from Mexico. He had a he struggled as a young man, um, and early in his uh, 
pitching career, he, he also struggled and he came to Toronto and, and found his way and he really seemed to love Toronto and I think Toronto loves him. So here's hoping uh, we'll see a few more years of him here in Toronto. Moving along to the fourth starter in this heralded rotation of promise and hopefully injury-free reality is Jay Happ. And I decided to turn to one of our site experts at the Jays Journal, Chris Henderson, to get his frank and candid feelings about Jay Happ, his year in retrospect, and what fans could look forward to in the future. You know what, I feel like he was an underrated performer this year in a lot of ways. You know, we had so much frustration from the starting rotation, you know, between Marco Estrada's couple of bad months, Sanchez being on the DL, Biagini struggles, Liriano being rough, you know. Um, you know, when you look at the bulk of the work from Jay Happ, um, the guy's got an ERA under four. He's made 23 starts. Um, you know, he's been really, really, overall, he's been very solid. And I think that he's going to be an asset again in 2018. You know, having him under contract for one more season at uh, $12 million, I think he is a nice piece for the middle of the rotation. And uh, I'm happy to have him on the roster. Last year's fifth starter for the better part of the year was a player who earlier in 2016 was considered their best high-leverage bullpen option. Joe Biagini came out from relief to become the so-called vaunted fifth option with mixed results last year. I decided to ask one of the most celebrated and critically acclaimed writers and bloggers at Sportsnet, Dow of Steeb, for his opinion on Joe Biagini moving ahead in 2018. Uh, Joe Biagini, I think... uh one of the more interesting uh, seasons that we've seen out of uh, a player, just because I think that we spent so much time trying to figure out who is Joe Biagini, you know, aside from the, the yucks and the, 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 the jokes and, and whatever uh, it's trying to figure out what his role is, what sort of pitcher he is, uh, what his role is in the future. Is he a starter? Is he a starter in 2018 or, so, uh, you know, and, and I think a guy who's really hard to pin down on on all sorts of uh, matters, uh, you mm-hmm. know, even looking at the way that he pitches, his release has been kind of all over the place. He's been falling off the mound sometimes, and then there are other games where you watch him and, and he has great command of, of his body and great command of the ball. So he's... Joe Biagini, I think, uh, I think, tries to develop this this sense of him being something of an enigma. I don't think he has to try so hard. He is an enigma, uh, just uh, by virtue of trying to sort out who he's who he is and who he's going to be for this team. As we take a closer look at the bullpen moving forward to the new year, we of course need to start with what is the crown jewel in the Blue Jays relief corps. Roberto Asuna is an elite closer of the first order and one that went out of his way last year through some very trying times and adversity to demonstrate himself as being the kind of player with the resolve that fans absolutely adore. And so I decided to ask one of our writers and contributors at Jay's Journal, Nick Raponi, to get his thoughts on Roberto Asuna and what he means to the team. Well, you know, Osuna, all in all, it was a I thought I still thought it was a great year. I, we are very lucky in Toronto. Like from Henke on, we really didn't have that. After Henke, we didn't really have that elite closer. And now, not only do we have an elite closer, we have one of the best elite closers, and he is young. We have a great pitcher in Roberto Asuna, and I am so excited for the future this year. 
He had some mental health issues, which were I, I thought handled pretty well by the team. I mean, I wasn't there with the team, but it seems from an outsider's perspective it was handled well, and I think Roberto's handling those issues he has in whatever way he feels is best. And I'm really excited for next year. I mean, hopefully he can – I mean, mental issues are always never something to play around with. They're a very serious deal. And hopefully he has that under control and he can continue to be that great closer. He was a, still a bright spot for me in a rough season this year, and I think he's going to be a bright spot pretty well every year going forward as long as we can keep him under contract. One of the clear unsung heroes who provided tremendous amounts of relief pitching throughout the course of 2017 – was Ryan Tepera. I asked sports management graduate and writer for the Jays Journal, Brandon Panikar, how he felt about Tepera moving ahead and what we should expect from him next year. Ryan Tepera, obviously we saw him establish himself as a bona fide back of bullpen arm uh, in 2017. He always had the talent and stuff down in the minor league system, which is why um, he was so frustrating his first few years because you could see the raw stuff and the ability for him to get big lead hitters out in 2015. In 2016, but it finally all came together for him in 2017. So, and that goes for a few guys too. You can throw Danny Barnes in there and Dominic Leon. So the Blue Jays are much better positioned uh, going into 2018 in, for, in terms of uh, relievers and, and how the bullpen shapes up. The only concern I have for Tapera going into 2018 is the amount of innings he logged a season ago. Uh, so that'll be something to uh, keep an eye on. But uh, he looks like he has the ability to be a big-time back-of-the-bullpen arm with his wipeout slider and uh, good heat on his fastball. So I'm excited to see what he can do uh, in terms of bridging the gap from the starter to Roberto Osuna to close down a Blue Jays win. Another reliever who went out of his way to provide quality innings for fans to enjoy in a very lunch-bucket fashion was Danny Barnes. I asked a former writer with DeepLeagues.com, Jeff Falbo, for his opinion on what was one of the most valuable pitchers to come out of the bullpen in 2017. Here is Danny Barnes, who was drafted in the infamous Blue Jays draft to the 2010 draft. Uh, some high prospects, some high players drafted that year, and Danny Barnes was drafted in the 35th round. You know, he toiled down in the minor leagues and finally made his debut in 2016 and finally made his mainstay in 2017 as a regular with John Gibbons bullpen if people you know people may not remember Danny Barnes Barnes because he came into the game and was quick pitched efficiently and the first three months of the year he was probably the most consistent arm out of the bullpen when the Jays were struggling and needed innings and help from their bullpen he came in and for a guy without a dominant arm, man, the guy just pitches junk after junk. There isn't a fastball that goes straight down the middle of the plate. He is a pleasure to watch because he is efficient. He is by far not the best-looking athletic man of a body who's six foot whatever. He is just not that. He is your common man, pitches down the middle of the plate, gets strikes, gets outs, and what more do we want from our bullpen? It almost seems like the one area that the Blue Jays were truly blessed to have an abundance of last year were relief pitchers who clearly were much maligned and were able to show fans that they in fact had a lot more to offer when you least expected it. One of those pitchers was Aaron Loop, a perennial whipping boy of sorts, 
And so it was only fitting that I would ask another writer and staff contributor at the Jays Journal, Kirsten McKernan, to get her thoughts on Aaron Loop and what he was able to do last year and moving forward. My thoughts on Aaron Loop have shifted uh, from previous years compared to 2017. If you had asked me this question, um, 2015, 2016, I would be the first person in line to say, cut this left-hander from the bullpen. Um, I didn't think he was consistent. I thought that um, he wasn't striking out. He wasn't striking out batters. Fast forward to this year, 2017. Aaron Loop has completely changed my opinion of him. Um, I don't know what he did during the off season, but so far this season, his ERA is under four. He's at 3.83. He has pitched in over 56 innings, 56.1, I believe. And out of that, he has struck out uh, 63, which shows that statistically he's able to strike out more than one batter per inning. Um, his average against left-handed hitters has uh, definitely decreased compared to years past. And he has turned into a dependable left-handed relief pitcher for the Jays this season. And I am completely positive and excited to see what is in store for him next season um, when he plays for the Jays again. One reliever that's getting a lot of attention at all levels of baseball that he's been in, especially after being promoted last year, is lefty Tim Meza. In searching for a definitive perspective on this player, I asked the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts and author of the baseball thesaurus, Jesse Goldberg-Strasler, to give me his thoughts on this promising reliever. What is it that the Jays could really use? What is it any team could really use? A dominant left-hander out of the bullpen. And that is what Tim Meza has firm capabilities to become. He's the sort of guy who, first, off the field, very sweet, nice, high-character, terrific teammate sort of guy. The exact sort of guy that you want in the bullpen. He keeps everybody loose. He's a lot of fun. And then when he gets out there on the mound, when that confidence is high, he bears down, he throws heavy with a hard slider. His stuff has potential to be excellent. And as a matter of fact, with the way that he jumped up to AAA and dominated, he can do that same exact thing in the major leagues. The more experience that he gets, the more confidence that grows. Tim Meza, uh, I believe, has every potential to be the Jays' dominant left-handed reliever at the back end of the bullpen that any team would love to have. Yet another reliever who turned some heads last year was Dominic Leone, someone who came out of the bullpen and produced in ways during the second half that made fans believe that a second wild card really wasn't beyond their reach. And so I turned to writer and contributor Jason Lee of the Jays Journal to get his impressions on how Dominic Leone fits into the future plans for the Toronto Blue Jays. He was a big, big unsung hero of the Blue Jays' bullpen. He's controllable. He has three more years of control. He's cheap. And especially now in the era of baseball, where the bullpen is arguably one of the most important places in the roster, he was truly an amazing pickup for the Shapiro and Atkins region. And I think that next year and in years to come, he's going to be a lock for the setup man role or possibly the seventh inning role in front of Roberto Osuna, and I'm just excited to see what more he has to offer in 2018 and beyond. 
Every season in the bullpen has one hero that can emerge when people least expect him to. And with no exception should we consider that to be Matt Dermody, a player that many fans who are familiar with the minor league system have high hopes for being a left-hander. And of course, I turn to our minor league savant and guru, Craig Borden from the Jays Journal, to give us his impressions. Well, Matt Dermody has uh, been very, very good in the minor league system for the Toronto Blue Jays. I've had the pleasure of watching him a couple of times, and this year with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and their minor league system, he ended up compiling a very, very solid 3.56 ERA, and that was through 43 innings. But, yeah, he was up and down a lot, as you, you saw, Ari. And I think we saw the best and some of the worst of Matt Darmody as far as things go, but I think he has gotten to that point where he's gotten that little bit of taste of Major League Baseball and he's liked it. So I think he's going to want to come into spring training and show him everything he's got. He's got great movement on his fastball. His secondary pitches are plus. I really think he could be the solid lefty that we're looking for in our bullpen in Toronto. And he's going to be one of those guys, I think, that could be used in high-leverage situations as well as going forward, just with the movement on his pitches alone. I think it's safe to say that even the most cynical of Blue Jays fan recognizes that this team has the arms to compete in the American League East. I mean, really, if you look between the minor league depth coupled with the on-field existing roster players that they have, there's no question that the bats will need to show up for this team in order to be successful. They simply will need to score in a division which is now notorious for having super teams and dreadfully different lineups to navigate. So let's start by looking at the infield situation, starting with catcher Russell Martin. And I could think of no one better than to ask, but a former member of the Blue Jays as both a statistician and a writer, along with now being involved with the Great Lake Canadians, Alexis Brudnicki, to get her thoughts on Russell Martin, where he's been, what he is, and where this team is going with him for better and for worse. Russell Martin, obviously... I doubt would think that 2017 was an ideal season uh, for him or for the team or for anyone, but I think that he's just such an important piece to the puzzle Um, and just the way that he handles the staff, the way that he catches, obviously the offensive performance wasn't where you wanted it to be this year, but I think that the, the things that he provides outside of that are just so valuable and it has to be easier to see once you see guys, when, once you go through guys like, Jared Saltolamacchia and Luke Maley and Mike Ullman and Rafi Lopez and Miguel Montero. I think, I hope that that helps to bring some value to what Russell Martin adds to this team. Just being around this team, just providing what he provides in the clubhouse, I would think he kind of, not only does he balance out what's going on on the field, but I think he balance out, balances out what's going on in the clubhouse. I mean, knowing Jose Batista since college and having that relationship with him and being able to bring so much to the younger players, um, to the veterans, and just having that is an important piece of the puzzle. And I hope that he continues to bring not only that value, but more of the value that other people want, that other people want to see, um, that. I think is more important to the eyes of the public, I guess. I think once he can bring that all back together, and I don't think that this was the end of it for him, I think he can get back there again, then he'll be the catcher that the Blue Jays have kind of always wanted and always needed. 
Undoubtedly, one of the few bright spots offensively for the Blue Jays last year was the switch-hitting first baseman Justin Smoke, a player who managed to rebound from all of the negative perceptions and opportunity that came with playing first base rather than platooning it, and turned it around into a full-time preoccupation that fans simply fell in love with. I asked popular podcaster and host of South of the Six, Adam Corsair, to give me his impressions of Justin Smoke and what it means for fans moving ahead. When it comes to Justin Smoke and the Blue Jays uh, for the 2017 season, the only thing that comes to mind is who saw that coming, right? In the beginning of the year, people were clamoring on either Steve Pierce or Kendris Morales playing first base because they were so upset with the aspect of Justin Smoke playing first and starting at first for the Jays. And he completely turned it around and completely um, took us by surprise with how well he performed. Um, being an all-star, being uh, one of the only ray of light for the Blue Jays this season, um, hitting home run after home run. He was just a treat to watch. And when I look back at the 2017 season, I'll look back and uh, appreciate um, the efforts that Justin Smoke put in and how he pretty much revitalized his career. One player who made an immediate contribution offensively and was embraced as the starting second baseman was, of course, Devin Travis. His loss was felt almost immediately and immeasurably as being one of the main reasons why the team could not effectively compete and even find a way to reach back to the 500 mark. So I decided to turn to celebrated sportscaster and longtime TSN freelancer analyst Tony Ambrosio to get his candid thoughts on Devin Travis and what he means to the fans moving forward in 2018. Devin Travis, to me, is the most interesting what-if when you look at the Blue Jays scenario for 2018. Now, I understand Aaron Sanchez is there as well, but at least we know Sanchez threw off the mound and had no ill effects so far this offseason. What have we heard from Travis this offseason? We have heard nothing. So I have no idea if his rehab is stopped, is his rehab amping up, is he feeling better? Do the Jays believe in him? Or is that why maybe they take that Diaz thinking there's no way Travis will ever be a healthy player despite being in his mid-20s? So to me, of all the question marks that surround this Blue Jays team, and as you know, Ari, there are many of them, the Devin Travis question mark is the biggest one on this team. If, and I do say if, he can be healthy and can prove to remain relatively healthy throughout the year, he is A, your leadoff guy, he is B, the table setter, and he is C, a very quality and strong defensive second baseman for the Blue Jays. And those three areas alone make the Blue Jays, to me, a four or five win improvement from what we saw a year ago. So to me, of all the question marks surrounding this team, there is none bigger, with all due respect to Sanchez, and the Donaldson question mark regarding free agency, there is, to me, none bigger and more intriguing and more wonderfully delicious to look at than the Devin Travis question mark. One of the players who needed to pick up the slack for the mounting injuries and all the difficulties the Jays experienced with their lineup last year was fan favorite Ryan Gones, who we now realize we might not even see during the 2018 campaign. I asked celebrated and longtime former CTV sportscaster Joe Tilly to get his definitive perspective on all things Ryan Gones and how the fans should feel about him moving forward. Well, when I think about Ryan Gones, I think about a guy who who comes to play every day uh, and plays hard 
and you know he's he's a he was a fan favorite. People loved the guy. Didn't have the big bat. Hasn't had the big bat. Uh, the Jays didn't give him a contract uh, and, and let him let him go to uh, on waivers. But he is going to be with the team, I think, this year. I mean, he might be in AAA, but he'll be. I think he'll be Blue Jays property this year. Um, I don't know. I think he's uh, he's a likable guy. He, I think he's good in the clubhouse because I think you know he's, he's one of those guys who just comes and does his job, doesn't complain, and uh, I think that type of thing is what the Jays need more of. So in my opinion, it's it's uh, he's a guy. I think he's going to be around. I don't know if he'll make the big club. If he does make the big club, it's probably an indication that thing, the big club isn't good enough. But if he uh, if he does make the big club, I know that he's going to give it everything he's got. One of the few moves that management has made during this offseason was directly linked at addressing the importance of having depth at the second base and shortstop. And so Ross Atkins made a trade to get Aledmus Diaz. And I asked Prospects1500.com writer and blogger Jason Waddell to get his thoughts on this acquisition and what it means for fans following the team. So Aledmus Diaz is a guy that uh, the Blue Jays uh, picked up during the offseason, I believe, for uh, J.B. Woodman. Um, he was cast aside in St. Louis, partly because of the emergence of Paul DeYoung and some of the other middle infield prospects. He kind of fell out of favor in St. Louis. Uh, but this was a guy in 2016, over 111 games, hit 17 home runs and had a 300 batting average with a 369 OBP and 510 slugging. Last year in 79 games, if you look at his numbers, you see a big drop-off to 259 average with an OBP under 300. Um, here's why I think that Blue Jays fans can be excited about it. One, he's still young. He's only 27, so he is kind of hitting that prime of his career, but he's still young and under control. Additionally, if we look at why he struggled, uh, Diaz is a guy that um, is wouldn't be considered a patient hitter at the plate. Uh, in 2016, he swung at about 28% of the pitches outside of the strike zone, um, but he was able to make contact on nearly 70% of those uh, that he swung at. We fast forward to 2017, I think pitchers adjusted to him, they threw him more curveballs, and he increased his swings on pitches outside of the strike zone up to 38%, so a full 10% increase. I think that's where you see his struggles. Um, he got into some bad habits, did not adjust with the pitchers as they adjusted to him. But I think that's common on what you see uh, in successful young hitters in their in their second year. Um, I also think he hit a little bit more uh, more ground balls, uh, which led to a lower uh, BABIP. And so I think that's how you can kind of that's how you explain his struggles in his sophomore year. Easy adjustments to make, and it's not in a, it's it's not for lack of talent. I really like him with the Blue Jays. Uh, the Blue Jays have a, a serious track record of taking castaway uh, prospects and turning them into legit big league hitters. I also think that the Blue Jays excel in teaching their hitters and developing young hitters into hitting more fly balls. We've seen it with Donaldson, Bautista, and Carnacion and Smoke. And while I don't think Diaz has that type of power, um, he can legitimately hit 25 home runs in the Rogers Center if he 
ex- exhibits a bit more patience, and if the if the uh, player development and hitting coaches in Toronto are able to retool his swing much of the way that they've retooled uh, the guys that I mentioned before. Perhaps one of the most disappointing injuries in 2017 came when Troy Tillowitzki ended up hurting himself at first base and was lost for more than half of the season. Blue Jays fans are very frustrated that what should have been a vaunted piece of the puzzle in 2015 is now coming across as a bit of a contract albatross. I asked hockey writer and co-host of the Habs Fan vs. Leafs Fan podcast, Kamal Rahman, to get his thoughts on Troy Tillowitzki for the 2018 season. Well, Troy Tillowitzki, what can you say about him? He uh, had a very, as predicted, injury-plagued season. I've always said that he was well past his prime and injury-prone, and he only played 66 games last year. Hit 249, well below his career average, and is trending downwards. Had a terrible on-base percentage of 300. This is not your granddaddy's Troy Tulowitzki. And he's locked in until 2020, and that's not good for the Blue Jays. Moving forward, I think we're uh, going to see the Jays possibly move him to first base, but Troy Tulowitzki has famously said that I started my career as a shortstop, and I'm going to end my career as a shortstop. So there's going to be a very interesting finish to Troy's career and what's going to happen with Troy, whether he will actually remain a Blue Jay. But again, who's going to take him at the position that he wants to finish at. So I'm not sure what to expect from Troy. I don't see him rebounding anytime soon to the Troy Tulowitzki of seven to ten years ago. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting for Troy Tulowitzki and the Toronto Blue Jays. As we go around the horn and end up at third base, this is perhaps the one area that is the most contentious during this offseason. Are fans grappling with the reality that is Josh Donaldson and whether or not he will be in Toronto for the long term? The man needs no introduction. He is the veritable heart and soul of this team. And as he goes, so too will the Blue Jays fly high in 2018. Therefore, it was only appropriate that I would ask Vancouver sports broadcaster Andrew Walker, host of the program on Sportsnet 650, to give me his conclusive thoughts on Josh Donaldson. I'll tell you what, in, in a year where not a lot went right for the Toronto Blue Jays, and that included their third baseman, um, we got substantial evidence. Maybe we knew this already, but listen, there's a lot of different parts that make up a baseball team. But, but we, we learned that as Josh Donaldson goes, so does this baseball team. And that was more evidence than anything. And, you know, when they really struggled, and I, listen, I know they got to that 6-17 and 17 start, and he was a part of that. But when, uh, when we got to that point where people looked at each other and said, oh, yeah, this thing is 162, the moment that it looked really bad was when Josh Donaldson was out. And the moment that we all looked at each other and said, hey, maybe they can fight their way back into this thing, well, no surprise. It's because Josh Donaldson was back and he was mashing. Listen, he had a nightmare from hell, and he still is going to lead the team in war. He's still going to hit 30 bombs. He's already gotten there. Maybe he finishes with 35. Um, and, and he's going to lead the team in, in, in OPS. I mean, it's, it's, it's an insanely good season for one that has been so bad. And with Jose Bautista's struggles, he is, at least um, in terms of position players, is the absolute new face of this franchise and is going to go down as, as one of the greatest players this organization has ever had. I'm really intrigued to, as time goes forward to talk about this contract extension uh, whenever it comes to life. 
When Bougie's management decided that they no longer wanted to proceed with Edwin Encarnacion for the 2017 season, Kendris Morales was brought in to be the answer as the designated hitter. Unfortunately, statistically and otherwise, he really wasn't the answer to anything. That's why I turned to popular blogger and host of Definitely Not Jay's Talk, Eric Rosenheck, to give me his thoughts on Kendris Morales, the man, the myth, the bad. To be perfectly honest, I'm not surprised with how he performed this year. The poor guy was already behind the eight ball when he signed with the Jays. Uh, I mean, look look who he had to replace. He was replacing Edwin, who had so much stock with the, with the team and with the, with the community and with the fans. Uh, big shoes to fill. And, uh, you know, unless he, you know, hit 50 home runs and picked up uh, 200 RBIs and OPS was around, you know, over, over the, you know, over the thousand mark and his, you know, he had, you know, 20 wins above replacement. I mean, nothing, nothing was going to match sort of the impact that Edwin had. So, you know, Kendris is Kendris. And quite frankly, uh, I know some would say it was disappointing, but to be honest, I wasn't surprised with what he produced. As we gradually shift our attention to the outfield and look at the year that was, I don't need to exaggerate or add any hyperbole to make you, the listener, appreciate why it was nothing more than a black hole. The lack of production the Blue Jays experienced in the outfield position was, quite frankly, embarrassing, and one that fans hope will not repeat itself. So we'll start in right field by looking back at a legend that is now unlikely to return to the team, and that's Jose Bautista. In a year that was rife with struggles and frustrations and angst, no one felt it more than the mercurial Jose Bautista, who ultimately finished with the kinds of numbers that made it clear that he would not fit into the team's plans for the future. That being said, I look to one of the most celebrated and popular social media podcasters in the city who works with Girth Radio, Kareem Kanji, to get me his thoughts as lucidly as possible, along with his memories of the great Jose Bautista. Jose Bautista's 2017 season is not the year that David Ortiz had in 2016. Uh, but I think as Jays fans and as Bautista fans, we should take a look at Bautista's uh, career with the Blue Jays. He uh, single-handedly made it fun uh, to watch Blue Jays, uh, starting with his uh, uh, MVP-like season where he hit 50-plus home runs. Um, I think that uh, Bautista, if he doesn't lead uh, a lot of the team stats and offensive numbers, he is very close to the top in his heyday. He had a gun in right field that everybody respected. He played with more passion in his pinky that many players play with their whole body. Um, I think uh, his passion was on display, whether it was obviously with his uh, bat flip uh, in the American League Championship, um, or whether um, you know it was how he dealt with media and protecting some of his teammates. Um, I don't think there'll be another player like Bautista on the Blue Jays, and for that, I think he'll be sorely missed. A player that'll be called upon to help create some legitimate offense from the outfield will be Kevin Pillar. And as fans have learned in the three and a half years that he's been with the team now, they're not really sure what to expect. So I turned to the founder of She's Four Sports, Ayinka Jess, to give me her thoughts on what Kevin Pillar really represents for Blue Jays fans who care about what the future of this team might look like. 
You know, he had a very interesting season last year. I mean, there are moments of, you know, great awe by fans with, you know, obviously him living up to the Superman uh, name, you know, catching all those balls in, balls in the outfield. But obviously there were some uh, moments of, you know, I guess learning moments for him where, you know, he unfortunately, I guess in the heat of the moment or, you know, when he was, you know, in the, in the, you know, the, the thick of the game, as they would, as they would say, you know, yelling a, a homophobic slur and, you know, having to really uh, not only apologize, but really sit down and, and, and look at, you know, his actions. And although he did have to, I believe, pay a fine, I mean, that, you know, the fact that he was representing the Blue Jays and still did that, I think he really had to step back and take a moment, you know, look at, you know, Blue Jays fans come from all over, from all walks of life. life and, you know, apology sometimes for some fans can only go so far so I think fans are looking for him to really just step back you know apologize and look at that as a learning moment Um, when it comes to Pilar as a player I mean the Blue Jays right now are struggling with the the the, the moniker of being the the oldest you know some people say they're the oldest they have the oldest players uh, on their team in the league I mean they have to shake that 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 image that you know, fans have of the team. We, we want, obviously, people that are healthy, and usually that's associated with young players, no injuries, and, you know, uh, building con- on their potential. I think um, Solar will be about 29 next year, so they're going to have to really look at their roster. You know, I think the goal for them is wanting to win games. They raise prices. Fans want to see them winning games. And if Ke- Kevin is a, a part of that and he's healthy um, and we can use him, in, you know, to build the offense, that's great. But if he's not going to be healthy – um, that's going to be a problem. Uh, as I said, age is, is, is a challenge, being 29, but we'll see what they're going to do. But I think fans generally, you know, like it when he's, he's, as I said, catching the ball in the outfield, giving us some offense, you know, stealing some of the runs. So if he's healthy and he's fast and he's, and he's in good shape, I think, you know, he'll probably have a good uh, season, 2018, 2019. But if they're struggling again with injuries, then they're going to have to think of probably trading him. The revolving nature of left field in particular last year left many frustrated for what the Blue Jays could possibly find as an answer to a vexing problem. Steve Pierce was brought in specifically to address that and, when not being injured, went a long way to showing fans that he in fact is a bona fide legitimate major league hitter. I turn to Fan 590 and 680 Sports anchor, host and podcaster Colin Teske to get his perspective on all things Steve Pierce. What was a disastrous 76-win season full of people on Twitter ripping apart? Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, we were given one guy who represents a small fragment of the world's population and even a smaller fragment of the athlete population. Yes, I give you Steve Pierce, the bald athlete. Following in the footsteps of Albert Pujols and Cal Ripken Jr., the Blue Jays were given a player who delivered and gave fans something, not much, but something to cheer about in 2017. From his clutch hitting, his gutsy base running, to a guy who simply loved wearing the Toronto Blue Jays uniform, Steve Pierce was the man, the myth, the legend, and he represented someone you know and I know, your bald buddy who doesn't get the same luck in life that us with hair do, but gave you something to come to the park every single night and wanted to cheer about. Steve Pierce was a great Toronto Blue Jay in 2017 and represents the bald community very, very well. It should come as no surprise to Blue Jays fans by now that Ezequiel Carrera represents, as I like to call it, 
an unheralded depth option that seems to have come through on a year-to-year basis. I turn to popular Jays writer and contributor Sam Bruce, who's an authority on the value of outfield depth, to give me his thoughts on exactly where Carrera might fit into the future of the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Well, originally going into the season, everybody just kind of thought he would be a deadweight. We were all uh, disappointed that he was going to be the everyday left fielder when... uh, when Justin Upton Jr. or Melvin Upton Jr. Uh, was uh, let go, so that uh, we could keep uh, so we could keep uh, Ryan Goins on the roster. I know people were uh, upset by the prospect, and uh, while uh, Steve Pierce did a fantastic job down the stretch, um, while that six to seven to eight weeks while Steve Pierce was gone, I feel that Ezekiel Carrera did an excellent job manning left field. He had about average, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more at times uh, defense out there and left. Um, and uh, he was a consistent force at the bottom of the lineup where uh, we often saw a lot of success this year. We saw a lot of success from the bottom of the lineup, especially when our big-name bats weren't doing anything. That's when the uh, Kevin Pillars and uh, Ryan Goins and uh, Ezekiel Carreras are doing their thing. And uh, I think he managed to be a uh, exciting member of the team to watch despite the the lackluster fanfare of him uh, starting the season on the team. September and October presented themselves as opportunities for Blue Jays fans to see whether or not the minor league system could provide them with some semblance of happiness looking ahead to 2018. And so it's only ideal that we look at Teoscar Hernandez as being the source of a lot of adulation based on what he was able to do in a very short sample size. I turn to one of the most prolific and well-respected bloggers and writers on all things Blue Jays and owner of the Blue Jay Hunter brand, Ian Hunter, to come on the show and talk to me about what exactly Teoscar represents in the hearts and minds of fans moving ahead. I mean, I I feel like Teoscar Hernandez has a lot of Blue Jays fans salivating right now given how well he's performed for the Blue Jays in September and October. And... Given the the outfield depth on the Blue Jays roster, I feel like at the very least he's going to be a fourth outfielder for the team next year. But maybe his ceiling is as high as a starting left or right fielder for the Toronto Blue Jays. And maybe it was kind of a, a passing of the torch, so to speak, between Jose Bautista and Teoscar Hernandez from one outfielder to another. And at the very least, I feel like he could definitely match Bautista's production from 2017 and perhaps even surpass it in 2018. No discussion related to the future of the team can be complete without at least one mention of Anthony Alford, a player that was regarded by many fans for many years to be the next one when it comes to providing real options in the outfield. It's only fitting that I would turn to the other site expert at Jay's Journal and one of the most successful writers on all things Toronto Blue Jays across the city, Clayton Richet, to talk about Anthony Alford and allow fans to appreciate his thoughts on whether or not they should be excited for the days to come. Alford's that toolsy outfielder the Jays are searching for. Uh, We just don't know if it's his turn in the packing order yet. Uh, Gibby had mentioned if they stay... Internally, it looks like uh, Teoscar Hernandez may have uh, a leg up on Alford just because of uh, his age and the number of games he's played. So Alford may need another or may start the season in AAA. But when you look at what the Jays are trying to do with their lineup, get younger, 
get faster, get more athletic. Who better than Anthony Alford? Uh, he's been a bit of a tough luck. He got promoted last year to the majors, and in his fourth game, he broke his hamate bone. So that stalled the rest of his season, and he missed uh, he missed quite a bit of time. Uh, he was tearing it up in the Mexican League this winter, and uh, I think two nights ago he just sprained his uh, right ankle. Uh, after hitting a double, they tried to pick him off, and he slid back in a second and sprained his ankle. So he's saying that it's nothing major, and he's already walking around. So hopefully that doesn't uh, that doesn't set him back even further. But I think Alfred, if Alfred could go into spring training and beat out Hernandez, and Hernandez obviously has his own issues with the strikeout rate, if Alfred can prove that he's uh, he's taken that next step, then then who knows? If they look internally, he might be the fit for the outfield. Um, However, I think they're still looking externally to Batista. For all the great promise that hasn't been met from previous prospects that have turned into successful, regular, everyday players, there is one that occupies, I think, a very soft spot in my heart and yours. Dalton Pompey is a name that's become ubiquitous now with spring training hope, only to find out time and time again that he gets pushed down the depth chart. I decided to turn to Richard Burfer of the Collegiate Baseball Scouting Network to offer his thoughts on Pompeii and whether or not there's reason to be optimistic about the future of what was once the highest-touted outfield prospect in recent memory. So when it comes to Dalton Pompeii, I believe that the, the kid has all the tools, but he just hasn't been able to uh, get healthy. And um, you've, you've seen him during 20, in the 2014 season with the Jays minor league aff- affiliates. He went, he shot up right through the entire farm system. And the Jays thought he was their next guy in the outfield. He had speed. He had the hit tool. Uh, power, uh, they believe, would come sometime in the future. I believe he hit around 320 all through the minors that in 2014. And they re- really what they did was they rushed him into the bigs. And since then, injuries have become a problem. Now there's guys like Anthony Alford coming up, uh, Teosco Hernandez, and it just seems like there's no room for a guy who just hasn't been able to stick to an MLB major, uh, major league roster. And what I believe, I still think he has the tools. Obviously, he has to stay healthy, but I believe for someone like uh, Dalton Pompey, he might just need a fresh start with a new team because right now uh, the Jays are getting more and more prospects that are shooting up the farm system, and it just seems that Dalton Pompey had his chance, and now it's gone. So there you have it, a player-by-player look back at the 2017 Toronto Blue Jays, complete with a treasure trove of perspectives from all sorts of media personalities, bloggers, podcasters, writers, and students of the game who all clearly share the same thing that beats in all of us, a deep, deep vested passion for the Toronto Blue Jays, and the belief that with proper upgrades and focus on this team in the years to come, there's a chance to be very excited about what the future has to offer. Even the 2018 edition is still being looked at as a glass half full, and whether or not you're a cynic or an optimist, at the end of the day, it's important to look at the facts and judge them for what they are. I hope that this podcast Christmas special has done just that. 
I'd like to take a moment again to thank all of you who've tuned in over the year to enjoy the show. There'll be new episodes starting in January during the first week, along with countless roundtables and other media appearances. I, of course, can be heard on the radio at the Fan 590 and can be found at www.jaysjournal.com alongside the fan-sided network and blog talk radio. Don't forget also to check out my chief sponsor, Cloud Wi-Fi, which is a better internet, available all across Toronto. Don't hesitate to reach out directly. I can be found on Twitter at Ari underscore Shapiro. And I look forward to having you aboard for many more adventures as we get on the good ship Toronto Blue Jays and hope that we can sail to greener pastures and more exciting forms of baseball in the days to come. Thanks again for listening here on the Jays Journal Podcast.